a town founded on its underground riches was plagued by bad luck. Mass casualty events filled the place's only graveyard. One family chose to honor their departed loved one in a unique way. They built a motel adjacent to the cemetery, decorated with an onslaught of clowns. Thousands of figurines outfitted in red noses and giant shoes greet visitors to this roadside inn, but the proximity to the burial ground has generated tales of paranormal activity. Is this ghost business merely a circus act meant to attract visitors, or does something horrible lurk beneath these curly wigs? This week's episode is The Clown Motel. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Thank you for descending into this hellacious death of your <laughs> one of your most greatest fears. <laughs> I yelled out loud watching a video today. A genuine just oh like it came, it was shocking. The um I use the word lobby loosely. But lobby. The lobby <laughs> the of entryway the, area. The motel is quite a sight to behold and by sight i mean nightmare yeah yeah it's uh it's i told you every time i see footage i'm like i feel like loose ball just like oh it's uh it's too many too many of anything freaks me out but especially when it's too many of clowns which i have never liked yeah, this is definitely the uh, pinnacle of that person's collection's gotten out of hand. <laughs> yeah. What do we do with father's collection? I guess we have to build a motel next to where he's buried and just display it. That's the That's only one option. <laughs> uh, estate sales or another. Yeah, uh, donating to a Donating, a throwing in a fiery pit. Uh, burying in the backyard to never be talked about again. Yeah, finding an abandoned mine shaft. Probably there's a bunch of them in town <laughs> mm-hmm. and just dumping the whole collection into it would have been great. Lighting them all on they fire and smashing all the figurines into a million pieces and then um, mailing them to your greatest enemies. <laughs> you just get a clown, a smashed clown eye and you're like, what does this mean? And later yeah. you get a nose. Oh, the pieces. By the end of it. Well, when you get all of it, it's too late. Yeah, you have That's to ask yourself. They've already what come I- for you by that time. <laughs> the, it comes alive and then starts moving around. Yeah, you're like, mm-hmm. what have I done in my life to deserve this? Well, we are owed a uh, a palate cleanser this at the end of this week after all this clowning. If y'all want to join us to watch My Octopus Teacher, which I think will <laughs> the opposite <laughs> feeling of like, yeah. when you see the clown footage, it's like, oh, it's an yeah. octopus. I have. I've never watched this one, but I'm excited to watch it for DocuWary. Every February, we watch a documentary a week, and then we discuss it on Crowdcast at 2 p.m. on Fridays, Central Time. We're doing the past four uh, Oscar award-winning best docs. So last week was American Factory. It's great. A lot of great conversation in the chat. So much. And we're all going to get out our box of tissues for my octopus teacher this week. Yeah, jump on Patreon. Uh, you can join for free right now. We have a free trial s- situation going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, if you want to just join and, and 
enjoy the octopus nature of let it just like flow over you because the footage in that is is lovely. The footage of any, and I'm not talking about the horror films, which we'll get to, just any travel blogger going by the clown motel, you're just bound to capture something terrible. And uh, yeah, it's uh, just don't look at the pictures. Well, we need to put out like a warning for because chlorophobia, is that how you say it? I always feel like I can't pronounce it. Uh, I think so. I just know that it's you're scared of clowns. And if you're scared of clowns, don't go looking at these pictures. But <laughs> if you are, you know, somebody that likes that morbid curiosity, then go for it. Uh, there are 5,000 of these motherfuckers that you can see. So <laughs> the only thing I could think is that if we pass by the clown motel, I would be like, we should absolutely stay here. And you would be like, absolutely not. And you would be correct. Uh, like, because, <laughs> well, it doesn't the, seem uh, like the scenery around it is very just it's unsettling. You're just driving in the desert and then you crest a hill and out of nowhere there's just this garishly colored polka dot building with giant 19 foot clowns like waving you in and it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's I w- I would think, "Oh, we, we've come upon a set for a horror film they must be shooting out here because I couldn't possibly imagine someone would operate and own this establishment and that people would stay there. Yeah, I did not realize that the clowns were so in it with kids until about the early 90s, according to one of the books talked about this survey, because like the Circus Circus in Las Vegas, that's not unreasonable. They have a clown on their on their sign. But I think it was around like the early 90s, one of the books quoted a study where they were building a children's wing of a hospital. And they were like, kids, you can vote on what you want in it. And they got zero votes for clowns. And they were like, oh, well, we probably shouldn't put clowns in there. So it's maybe that's right when the Stephen King miniseries premiered. Mm. It's like Pennywise took the beautiful, happy clown image and made it horrifying. (laughs) I think mine started even before Pennywise. It's just there's something creepy about clowns. I don't like old timey looking clowns where they've got like cigars. And it's like, what are you? A, a, A kid's character or uh, have you been on a bender for several days there's always (laughs) this fine line between like sinister and good but i just realized what did it for everybody what's that john wayne gacy okay there it is ding 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 well start the show (laughs) (laughs) we solved it that's a good point that's john Uh, wayne gacy the clown John Wayne Gacy, the man that used to entertain kids at their birthday parties? The birthday entertainer? <laughs> John Wayne Gacy? Yeah, that, that, that'll do it. That will, that will do, it. do it. But that is always kind of what I've associated with clowns is this sinister person beneath the makeup. Yeah, and, and you feel like you, you don't know, know what they eerie. can do. It's unsettling. Yeah. They could just, at any moment, they're going to honk your nose, that flower on their shirt. No. It's not a flower. Squirt. It's water. It's in your eye. If a clown ever honked my nose, it would be the last thing they did. <laughs> Local woman on arrested God. for That's brutal on assault on clown. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? No bill no, by the grand jury. No, hero takes down clown that was about to murder entire city is what it would say. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, massacre stopped by this hero woman, Christy Wallace. I would oh, get Lord. the key to the city and... <laughs> The big old shoes to the city as well. 
Those are big like, shoes to fill because they they're way too big. They're oversized. It's like stuff like it's it's never been wacky to me. It's just it's it's creepy. I don't know why. I don't even know that I can explain why. I've always thought they were scary, but I have. It's funny because people will write like long essays of like, well, it's because of the uncanny nature of the. I'll save you like a lot of ink and pages. They're fucked up looking and they're freaky. <laughs> That's it. Done. <laughs> Done. They always like and like the sad clown oh, hate it, hate it, and like mm, with their big red lips just downturned in a frown. It's like you're supposed to, you're a clown. Why are you sad? Why are you sad, clown? Oh, they <laughs> killed all the children, and now there's no one left to come to my show. We're what, gonna get some angry clown dance. <laughs> what was the? Uh, the opera that Kramer sees. Pagliacci. <laughs> yeah, Pagliacci. That's it. <laughs> I do think of Crazy Joe Davola whenever I think of oh, clowns, yeah. for sure. Yes. Yeah. See, no, it's everybody. The- I mean, not everybody, but it's not uncommon to be no. scared of clowns. And But if you, some people like to lean into their fears. If you're trying to conquer that fear, may I suggest uh, Tonopah, Nevada, the clown motel. This is some exposure therapy to the max. <laughs> I'm also, I have not finished it, but I am working on a song called Hotel California. And I've been coming up with lyrics all day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it well, sucks uh, we'll because to- it's not in California, but it's adjacent. So I feel like it still kind of works. I think it counts. And uh, we'll Welcome have to come up to with the like Hotel a- California. We have to film a music video. <laughs> Such no. a lovely place, such a painted face. <laughs> such a fall from grace. Oh. Burn, burn. They're dying it up in the Hotel California. <laughs> they are. Everybody that checks in, we're not going to check see out. see it there. That's they what got curly hair. <laughs> well, we're going to finish out the lyrics of this and sing it yeah. free. We'll, yes, we'll figure yes. it out. I'll figure it out, and then it'll. I'll put it on Patreon. I'll yeah. come up because uh, I really gotta like go line by line. All in. I need backing tracks and and everything yeah. to do it justice. So, Tommy, you hear that? We need you to pr- fully produce this song, this parody song. <laughs> I also, at some point, if you could throw in a hunker hunker, you know. The, yeah. The I do have some sound. requests for sound effects later. I'll let you guys. I'll, I'll do them live though, and then Tommy can okay. put them in in post. Ooga. I don't know how it would a squeak and then just re 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 re. That's the sound they make the most. That's the last sound you hear. <laughs> oh well, I'm Christy and I'm Heather. <laughs> Did you know Stephen Lett from Jehovah's Witnesses is also my clown voice? <laughs> I have a limited range, honestly. No, I think um, Stephen Lett is a clown, there if go. anybody. So I think he, I think he nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into it. During the spring of 1900, a prospector by the name of Jim Butler was camping with his donkey near the area known as Tonopah Springs in Tonopah, Nevada. Being an ass, the donkey wandered off, forcing an irritated Jim to chase after it. Fed up with his antics, Jim picked up a rock to throw at the donkey. That's when he discovered the ornery ass was about to make him rich. The rock he had picked up was ore and was valued at more than $200 a ton. I I don't like that he was rewarded for hitting an animal. 
Yeah, well, I like but... to think he picked it up to throw it. Okay. And then stopped himself. But still, his intent, you were correct, was to throw a rock at a donkey. And then he became a millionaire. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's like the opposite of a parable where you learn some lesson. (laughs) There's no lesson here. No. If if your donkey's acting crazy, try to hit it with a rock because you might get very rich. (laughs) Soon after his discovery, Jim began leasing out the mineral-rich land to fellow prospectors, taking 25% of all mined ores as finder's fee. According to WesternMiningHistory.com, Jim sold his claims to a Philadelphia syndicate in July of 1901 for $360,000, an impressive amount equivalent to nearly $13 million today. You owe that donkey so much, sir. <laughs> so much. Man, I, uh, you know, had to do like, what? what is $360,000 from 1901 to today? The inflation. I just got to, things are, things have gone up in value quite a bit from the early 1900s, everyone. I remember being a kid and like hearing that on a show of like, which was equivalent to $13 million today. And I was like, can't we just go, like, what if you had old money? I'm almost Mm -hmm. like, that is not how that works at all. But if you had, well, yeah, still, no, you'd have to get like so much more ore to have it be valued at the same amount. So, yeah. It just said we have to time travel is really the only yeah. way what you're asking is going to work out. My get rich quick scheme is completely dependent on figuring out time travel, which in and of itself might be a get rich scheme. Probably not quick, though. You got a turducken of a get rich scheme happening. <laughs> a scheme within a scheme within a scheme. Scheming. Over the next decade, Tonopah became one of the richest mining districts in the West, according to Western Mining History with roughly $150 million of silver and gold mined from the land. Like many mines, the Great Depression ended Tonopah's boom years, and by 1947, the mine officially closed. Today, about 2,500 residents call Tonopah home. The small town honors its mining roots with a 100-acre historical outdoor museum. Similarly, many of the buildings from Tonopah's early days have been historically preserved, including the Mizpah Hotel, one of the most luxurious hotels of the West when it originally opened in 1907. Well, that may have been the most luxurious of its time, but I got (laughs) news for the Mizpah. There's another motel moving in. Oh, there's a new game in town. (laughs) And it's it's marching in with giant shoes on. Yeah, I was gonna say, and you, it's they're all carnival games, and you gotta <laughs> spend a lot of money to win a prize. <laughs> yeah, it's they're not free games. Sinisterhood will be right back. Founded May seventh, nineteen o one, the Tonopah Cemetery was operational from nineteen o one to nineteen eleven. During this decade, three hundred bodies were laid to rest there. Many were residents who died after falling ill during what some refer to as the mysterious Tonopah Plague of 1902. However, passionate local historians argue that there was nothing mysterious about the deaths and that they actually occurred in 1905. They attribute the 56 deaths between January to April to pneumonia, most likely caused by unsanitary conditions. Local newspapers reported on the deaths at the time, further proof to those who argue it was not a mysterious plague. 
Yeah, I like digging through old-ass newspapers, and Tonopah had a newspaper at the time, and I uh, I also found an article on the plague from, like, Los Angeles that was like, doctor who visited Tonopah says it's nothing more than pneumonia. And I was like, way to just, like, like, just stick a knife in their balloon of, like, optimism of, like, we have a rare disease. And it was like, it's just filthy disease that you have. It's, oh. uh, there was a slaughterhouse real yeah. close to everything and not a lot of sanitary conditions. And like we talked about with back in the day, people thought it's crazy to wash your hands after handling a corpse before delivering a baby. Who cares about that? Well, back then also people didn't know, like, maybe we should keep the slaughterhouse and the uh, hospital. You know, they're not right next door to each other and hand washing and stuff wasn't probably uh, the highest priority. So a lot of shit, a lot of germs, a lot of bacteria. Chuck anything from the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. It's Chicago style. Like we talked about in the Captain Strader episode of Meat Chunk River. They were like, just throw it in the river. And it's mm-hmm. like, we drink from that river. Okay, mm-hmm. drink around it. <laughs> well, it's water. Kind of goes everywhere. Yeah, figure it out. Just bit. figure it out. Also buried in the cemetery are 14 of the 17 miners that lost their lives during a fire that broke out in the mine on February 23rd, 1911. Around 5.30 a.m., miner Mike Kuliachi arrived at the mine for his morning shift. Wafting up from the deep within the mine was the unmistakable smell of smoke. Unbeknownst to Mike was that the fire had actually broken out an hour before he and his brother had shown up for their shift, allowing for the flames to make dangerous headway. The men notified their supervisor, Frank Burke, who in turn notified the mine superintendent, T.F.M. Fitzgerald. Seemingly unconcerned, Fitzgerald ordered all 90 of the men that were scheduled to work, mostly Slavic immigrants, to ignore the fire and get to work. Fitzgerald justified this dangerous decision by explaining that the fire was further down the shaft than where the men would be working. The superintendent's orders changed after he and a small group of men ventured down into the mine to check out the fire for themselves. Of the group, Fitzgerald was the only one to make it back out alive. It was only then that he gave the orders to fully evacuate the mine and made any effort to put out the fire. Yeah, like just from a physics perspective, if you're like, listen, the fire is a thousand feet down. You guys were only a hundred feet down. You'll be fine. And it's like, that's the only hole for the air to come up through. Yeah. And all this. And also, you feel like you're just on top of a, a stove cooking. Like yes. it's just getting hotter and hotter underneath you. And you're just waiting for, you know, the flames to start lapping at your feet. But. Yeah, the thing with um, mine shafts, if you close one area off, all of that air is going to then go to the other. So there's only so many places that a person can breathe down there without just getting suffocated. Right. It's just that one single escape route. It's like, that's where all the heat's going to go. It rises. So it's going up to us. Also, fuck TFM Fitzgerald, who did not give a shit about any of these workers, who most of them were immigrants, and... It, they were afraid to put up a fight because they knew that they would be replaced and lose their jobs. So they go down there and he doesn't seem to care until he is affected. Like, oh, yeah. When no. you're also, like, yeah, how how are you the only person that came? Yeah, up I think he probably threw some bows to get in that cage to get pulled mm-hmm. back up and was like, well, only one of us is making it. It's about to mm-hmm. be the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. it's a, a devastating way to go. Yeah. Any I mean, well. 
was it the early 2000s when that mine catastrophe happened? Maybe it was mid-2000s. And yeah. I mean, even now, like, it's just to be stuck underground in cramped quarters where the air is already thick and uh, then you've got toxic fumes. It's a horrible way to think about going. Yeah, starting to some we've been we're going to talk about some upcoming episodes that are like underground stuff. And the more I think about being underground, the more I'm like, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fitzgerald's orders seem to come too late. Nearly all 90 workers were trapped in the 100 foot level of the mine. The efforts to seal off the fire and stop it from spreading weren't working. The shaft elevator had been sent down, but by that time, the trapped men had either passed out from the toxic fumes or were too weak to save themselves. It wasn't until William F. Big Bill Murphy showed up for his shift that a rescue mission became possible. Determined to save his fellow workers and friends, Big Bill bravely descended into the mine, loading the unconscious men onto the elevator. Without hesitation, he made this heroic descent two more times, unwilling to leave anyone behind. When the elevator came up on the third trip, Big Bill was not on it. Tragically, he had fallen off of the mine elevator on the ascent. He was only 28 years old. And it was a blizzard oh. at the time of all this going on. So they said he was like, I got a few boys. I'm going to get a few more. This may be the last you hear of me. And was just going down to do what was had to be done meanwhile it's smoke is billowing out snow is coming down people are like passed out to the side they said a like a group uh towards the top of the shaft had gathered and they said it was like miners morbidly curious residents some like people were all like what can we do and it was like families i'm sure of yeah, the miners that live the wives there. all came and they said mm -hmm. they kept the wives like on a hill nearby to try to like keep them from seeing anything mm -hmm. but that they were still i mean you see bodies being drug out like yeah. limply you you know it's not a good thing absolutely we called my grandfather my mom's dad big bill so i Hell like yeah. to think that he would have done the same he would have done the same thing but went in without hesitation everyone said he was a local hero and didn't even think about his own safety it was just like i'm i'm going down and then the irony that he is the one that falls out of the elevator on the way back up is, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, right. He just wanted to make sure everybody else was saved. Mm -hmm. Big Bill Murphy was one of 17 miners that lost their lives that day. He, along with 13 of the other men, are buried in the local cemetery. The epitaph on his gravestone reads, Died while saving others. Which isn't that a nice way to be remembered, that you died doing something for others, saving so many others. You were just a huge hero. I mean, this was the, like, at the time, huge news for the mine community. They said, like, 800 miners from other towns came. They filled the theater. They had this big memorial service that was, like, a multi-religious. So, like, all the different preachers all came together because everybody had different, you know, there were some Catholics and whatever. And they... I mean, it was like this big thing for the town mm -hmm. because you, I mean, that's the whole entire mining operation is like pretty much the town's business. Yeah. So to have that happen and then, spoiler alert, it happened again like 25 years later and then another fire happened like 20 years after that. It's like, stop setting it on fire. <laughs> well, underground, when things go wrong, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. And then the rescue efforts are even... To put it out, the efforts are so dangerous because, like we said, the shafts, if you close off one to try and, like, suffocate 
the flames, well, they're just going to go up the other one and then smoke out everybody that's on that side. Yeah, and they said to stop it, they had to go down a different shaft 2,700 feet away and then walk over. And it's just like, I'm not going to, I don't want to walk that far, 1,000 feet underground, walk 2,700 feet over to try to put a fire out. It's just things were loose back then. Yeah, yeah. Fire, not even an issue. Being that far underground and knowing that much is above me, I don't want to, it could all just come caving in at any second bless whoever does that now hopefully it's going to be robots someday so if anything does cave in it's just like machinery that is mm-hmm. crushed and not people because that is whew, that is a tough job another man that lost his life that day was clarence david an avid clown collector clarence had amassed over 150 clown figurines at the time of his death like the others who had died in the 1911 fire clarence was buried in the tonopah cemetery Many years later, in 1985, Clarence's children, Leona and Leroy, decided they wanted to honor their clown-loving father in a way that would also allow his impressive collection to be displayed to the masses. What better way to do this than to build a motel right next to the cemetery where their dad was buried? May we all have children so loyal that they hold on to our 150 deep clown collection for 74 years. Yeah, they, when we say children, they weren't like kiddos. No. Doing, they were in their 70s when they were like, you know what? <laughs> Father would want this. I know what we'll do. I believe Leroy died. I found he was born in 1906 or 1907 and died in like 1997. So this dude wow. was trucking along and it's, you know what? His legacy remains. <laughs> it still does. It still does. And And you know what? That's cool, though, because, like, so does all those figurines. And now look at us. We're doing a people, hundreds of thousands of people have visited and seen this, and that's what they wanted. And now we're talking about how terrifying it is. When the smoke overtook Clarence in the mine, I know that his last thought was probably his wife and children, but the second to last thought was probably his precious collection. And he could not have known that someday Zach (laughs) Bagans... Would have an encounter with it. The Zach Zach Bagans? <laughs> Bagans. <laughs> Called America's Scariest Motel. The Clown Motel opened its wacky doors in 1985, becoming an instant hit. Located halfway between Reno and Las Vegas, a 19-foot clown cutout, who goes by the name of Jolly, welcomes travelers as they pull into what very well may be their final resting place. Adorning the motel lobby are hundreds of clowns, ranging from life-size to miniature. The unsettling sight has caused some guests to faint, while others can't get enough of the nightmare fuel. Yeah, people have described it as an onslaught of clowns or being... <laughs> I, would, um, I would agree with that. Overwhelming. I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed. Yeah, like if I walked in, I'm immediately turning around... And walking out, it was that scene, and we have it in our show notes, of watching, there's so many people that have gone and have videos of their stay. But just the point of view of walking into this room and sitting right there in this chair greeting you is a, like, six-foot-tall clown sitting, holding smaller clowns. <laughs> like, clowns with minions. other clowns. <laughs> it's like his baby. They're my babies. My clownish babies. And then there's just like so, there's posters, there's figurines, statues, paintings. It's everything. And 
too much of all of it. <laughs> There's a warning sign, though, that says priceless clowns donated from around the world, not for sale. And no. I was like, oh, I doubt that. <laughs> they might you have been donated. Priceless because donate. they, they don't have price tags on them. And they priceless probably are because some things you just can't buy, Heather. Yeah, you Sometimes, shouldn't buy. And some things you shouldn't buy. But you can, even now, donate a clown. If you have a clown Send that it. you've been sitting on. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this. If you've picked up a haunted clown somehow over the years and you need it out of your house, you can go to the Clown Motel's official website and they have a place where you can donate the clown. And then it could uh, find its eternal resting place at the Clown Motel. (laughs) And visit it. And you know it'll be happy among friends. Yeah, it'll be happy. Oh, it'll be happy. Oh, yes. Bloodlust will finally be satiated. (laughs) The brightly colored polka dot clad motel has 31 rooms total, though a few have more of a reputation than others. In room 111, a terminally ill man's wish for a swift demise was thwarted by a mysterious shadowy figure that appeared in the corner of his room each morning. The man begged the shadow to kill him each day, but the figure refused. Instead, the man died by suicide in the motel's parking lot. You may ask yourselves, listeners, how did we know this information? It's on the website of the hotel, of the motel, excuse me. Yes, they they lean in to the um, potential haunts or at the very least unsettling and upsetting stories that have occurred there. It's definitely something they don't shy away from. No. Conversely, room 210 provided a miraculous healing experience for a different guest with chronic back pain. After years of agony, the man only found relief when he was staying at the motel. He felt so good, he continued living there for over six years. Nearby room 214 allegedly hosts a lingering spirit awaiting the return of Howard Hughes' associate, Melvin Dummer, who checked in for one night and checked out three years later. The spirit obviously misses Mr. Dummer, as it is known to taunt guests by turning lights on and off during the night. How bad would your back pain be for you to be like, you know what? I'm going to stay. <laughs> I never have pretty so bad good. back pain. And I'm like, I just I'm going to live with this. If it's <laughs> if it's this or staying there for six years, it reminds me of um, when the man went up to Estes Park to. Oh, yes. Because the, he his lungs, the Nevada, California fresh air. Maybe there's something to that. Or he he was possessed by a clown. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. Over the next 10 years, clown enthusiasts from around the world visited the brightly colored motel. Clarence's children had done him proud and decided to sell the establishment. Born in Tonopah on July 21, 1938, retiree Bob Perchetti bought the clown motel in 1995. Bob took the collection from 150 clowns to over 600 finding them at estate sales, while traveling, and from people sending clowns in from all over the world. Bob is a, uh, he loves Tonopah. His license plate was Tonopah, just the word, and worked for the, like, state tourism kind of department, some something related to that of, like, attracting people to Nevada. So I think it's lovely that he's, like, retired and was like, I want a slower pace. I'll just go <laughs> run the clown motel. <laughs> Most 
retirees move to Boca Raton or, uh, nope. you know, take up like bird watching. Some decide I'm going to run a clown motel. And not only that, 150 peanuts. We're getting up to <laughs> 600 at least Circus and peanuts. counting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, we got to, I like this place, but you know what it needs? More clowns. More clowns. <laughs> That's always. exactly as the David children probably wish. Like they hoped that they could sell it to someone who would increase the clownishness. Bob Rochetti turned it the fuck up. He understood the assignment. The clown motel generated online buzz in 2013 when a user on the r slash creepy subreddit posted about their encounter in one of the rooms. The now-deleted comment read, Before I read this to you all, I would like to request for Tommy. For some reason, the person bleeped out swear words, so I'm going to say bleep, but if possible, Tommy, would you just insert whatever clownish sound effects you'd like where the swear words would go? Thank you. Okay. At one point, early in the evening, we were hearing strange sounds and what appeared to be someone screaming, followed by a lot of popping and crunching noises. While in the bathroom, my buddy decided to have a peek outside of the bathroom window. My buddy lets out a yell and bursts in the room, and I'm like, what? He doesn't say anything, but goes right to his bag and gets his Smith & Wesson 357 out. I'm thinking, what the f***? And I dig into my bag and get my SIG 232 out. He says, we need to get the out of here right now. I saw he was serious, and that made me serious about it. We grabbed our, for the most part, left a few clothes behind, and looked out the peep site to make sure it was clear to our car. I threw my gun into my pocket. He put his in his waistband, and we hauled ass to the car and got the hell out of there. On the ride away, I asked what he saw in the bathroom. He told me, when he looked out the window... There was this creepy-ass clown facing away from the window, pants at his ankles, making a weird motion. He told me the clown slowly turned 90 degrees to look at him. My friend said he looked down to see this clown being a full-size dinner ham. When he looked up from the ham... When he looked up from the ham... The clown was smiling and waving at him. that's uh that's gonna get you some trip advisor reviews there's so much happening in this one review why do you each have guns (laughs) also i i've never oh i i yeah i technically own guns i inherited from my dad but i've never like taken one around with me but i'm pretty sure you don't quote throw it in your pocket pocket? you're gonna shoot your thigh (laughs) off if you throw a gun in your pocket don't do that also throw it in your pocket one of the guns is that i have is the 357 that thing is huge it's like a dirty hairy gun it's like comically (laughs) oversized i wish that when i pulled the trigger had it because everything there is comically oversized. It just goes psh, bang, and bang, it's just yeah. like. But it does not. Unfortunately, it's a real gun. It's fucking hard to shoot, and that's why I don't. But yeah, there's a lot going on of these guys. Also, they left some of their clothes behind. Yeah, you have enough wherewithal to grab your gun and throw it in your pocket, but you're gonna leave some clothes. And and I also feel like if that's what I saw when I looked out the window. Going outside is the last place I want to be. I'm locking myself in the in the room. I'm going to barricade the door. Unless the clown, you know, ham attached or not, starts walking towards you. I think. Oh, no. Yeah. Counterpoint. 
I don't think the clown was hurting anybody. It was a dinner <laughs> ham. It was already dead. It was presumably he a, bought it. Like a honey baked? Yeah, I think it was a honey. Of course like it's a honey baked. It's got to be honey baked. <laughs> you're not going to fuck a dry ham. You want, if you're a clown going to fuck a ham in a graveyard by a motel, you've got to get the juiciest honey baked that this side of the Mississippi. It's just a maple, maple bit. You know, oh, they yeah. do like the brushing on the outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got that extra pouch of glaze. He like, he warmed mm-hmm. it up with his hands. Do the glaze first. Blammo. Well, that uh, that'll do something for you. That'll do. That'll generate some yeah attention. Some People buzz. are gonna good or bad. Is there any type of bad publicity though? Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> He's fucking a ham. Yeah, we heard you. But again, <laughs> he. I mean, he wasn't hurting anybody. He didn't take the ham. It wasn't these two yahoos ham. It wasn't like we were all gathered for. Christmas dinner and the clown took our Christmas ham out back and defiled it. Certainly. If you're like Norman Rockwell style lined up with your family and Papa's <laughs> about to carve and Bozo whips through and just starts <laughs> going at your ham, then that's something to pull your sig sour out at. But in this case, I feel like it was an overreaction. That's just my opinion. I think it was. I, think it was, I mean, yes, it would be shocking, but I also... I Art just is wanna, often. Uh, I want to reiterate: they had guns, and yet yeah. they fled at the sight of a clown fucking a ham. This man is like you. Sometimes you got to throw your gun in your pocket and take <laughs> off running. <laughs> well, this tale generated online reviews and prank calls to the motel. However creepy that clown may have been, the most often cited fright is the presence of ghosts floating over from the graveyard possibly inhabiting some of the clown figurines at the motel. So, I mean, yeah. staying in a motel next to a cemetery is already creepy. Mm-mm. How can we make this 100% creepier? Clown-themed. Yes. And the ghost may or may not possess the clown figurines that are many of them full-size. Yeah, yeah. They can just open doors. They got hands and shit. Yeah, Walk around. Letting- you're just Ride giving them unicycles, fuck hams. <laughs> They're fucking loose. <laughs> They're doing whatever. There's nothing <laughs> off limits. No. In 2015, Zach Bagans and the Ghost Adventures crew covered the motel on an episode alongside an abandoned school in a nearby town. When interviewing owner Bob Perchetti, Bagans asked whether the place was truly haunted. Bob replied casually, "People do say it's haunted." Might have a lot to do with the graveyard being next door. I think a ghost comes out of the graveyard once in a while. He guessed it was one of the miners buried there. Either Big Bill Murphy, the hero of the fire, or Stevens, who likes to emerge from the cemetery and take walks around the area. I just want to say, it's if it's Big Bill Murphy, then he's it's only when he's nice. If it's a clown that's been inhabited and is fucking a ham, it's not Big Bill Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like he would never. He wouldn't. I feel like um, the clown fucking the ham was an, an alive person. Just okay. like a clown <laughs> fucking a, a ham. Yeah, I think that's more um, stuff the living does. Because yeah. some stuff's so fucked up that only the living does it. The dead don't touch it. Somebody's and like, that, I'm one in of the those afterworld. is dressing up like a clown and fucking a ham. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're able to re uh, emerge from the afterworld, I think that your ne- your very first thing is not like, where's the nose and where is the honey baked ham store? <laughs> like, I think it's probably like, I want to go send a message to my loved ones. But yeah, human beings m- meandering around, they fuck a ham. 
I just gotta say, though, honey-baked hams are fucking delicious. Oh, it's so good. Even though I will never be able to see another honey-baked ham without thinking of this, Uh I will still eat them. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll go ham on a ham for sure. (laughs) Man, every year at Christmas, we end up with one because my brother-in-law would bring it. Like, they would get a a gift certificate. It's like a Mm -hmm. company, like, gift. And it's one where everyone's like, yes. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves the honey-baked ham. Some love it so much, they stick their dick in it. Here's just, I don't work for Honey Baked Ham, but if any of you listeners do, just a new idea. You'll love our hands so much to make you go crazy. And then the clowns just, I'm just saying it's an idea. It is an idea. I mean, I feel like you don't hear much about the Honey Baked Hams anymore. Like, I don't see commercials for them. Perhaps it's time for a rebrand. They can rebrand. I, when, I've gone to pick something up from there, and they've like stanchions as if it was like the 90s and you're trying to buy concert tickets where they're like, everyone, <laughs> it's like an old time, like when iPhones would get released. They're like, everyone just calm down. I'm like, what ham riots are happening in this? Don't be picked Because everybody's in line to fuck it. That's what you yeah, don't realize. It's true. There's a separate like, room in the back like, that none of us have been to because we didn't know. But now we know that's the ham fucking room. And that's why the stanchions are necessary because everybody will just, it'll be a stampede. If you don't keep everybody in line. <laughs> Four folks tying on their aprons in the morning. They're like, you don't want to go back in that room back there. Don't. According to Bob, miners aren't the only specters spotted on the grounds. Guests claim to have seen apparitions of creepy clowns in their rooms at night, standing at the foot of their beds. Housekeeper Andrea Selig related her multiple encounters while cleaning the rooms alone. Describing a feeling of anxiety while working, she told Bagans... I literally feel like there's somebody with me in this room. Doors around the motel have closed on their own when there is no one around and no wind. There is somebody in there with you. It's <laughs> one million clowns that are just staring at you with their glass eyes. Yeah. And Bob will say, I mean, the clowns, the rooms have clowns in them to where Bob would say, he's like, I would have to like go take pictures off the wall because people are like, I can't sleep with this. And it was like, I'm it's sure like my can. house. Yeah. We got to put tissue paper over Pennywise. <laughs> That's, this is, see, I feel like I can relate a little bit to the people that go to this place, but they or seeking it out. Ella has to live here. So yeah. we acquiesce and we're like, all right, we'll take down this gruesome Pennywise picture where blood is dripping off his fangs. Fine. If you can't be a big girl about it. Someday she'll write the memoir. I grew up in a clown house. <laughs> <laughs> 18 years with Pennywise. <laughs> but in the end, they fell in love. Yeah. Art comes of it. So that's the mm-hmm. true win for everyone. But yeah, I like this Andrea gal who was cleaning. She's like, I have a lot of anxiety when I come to work. I'm like, ma'am, you live, you work in a yeah, club yeah, hotel. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. bet. I have a lot bet of anxiety just thinking about you going to work. So yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, you, you know what you're getting yourself into though. It's not as if you go on that interview and then you're not aware of what kind of rooms you're going to be cleaning when you show up to work on day Yeah, one. I think it's one of those, like, whenever I decided to work at Magic Time Machine and I was like, <laughs> I'm in a costume and this place is, like, 100 years old and haunted. It's like, yeah, it's a place called Magic Time Machine in an old <laughs> abandoned schoolhouse. Yeah, you kind of signed up for that. Mm-hmm. The general consensus is the graveyard is to blame. And Andrea told Bagans she had seen stuff in the cemetery. She related an encounter she and one of the manager's daughters, Catherine, had while out there late one night. 
we actually saw an apparition come up and we haven't gone back to the graveyard since then. It manifested out of a grave and appeared to the women as a humanoid-shaped figure made of black shadows. Catherine confirmed this story, telling the cameras that Andrea was so upset during the run-in that her eyes began to water. I love Catherine because, like, starting at age nine, she got real into ghost hunting. And so, like, there's archival, like, interviews throughout the years where she's, like, older and older to the time. By the time Beggins comes by, she's probably, like, in her late teens, early 20s. But there's, like, footage of her be like, nine or ten years old. And it was, like, amateur ghost hunter. And I'm, like, <laughs> fuck yeah, kid. You got to lean in if you have to grow up in a clown motel. You have no choice. That is yeah. your your destiny has been written for you. Yeah. So good. I got to say, Andrea, if all you do is have some water eyes you're you're doing great because i would have died my soul would have left my body and i would have just uh i would have been buried right there at the historic cemetery it's like Catherine said her friend heather threw up a thousand times in (laughs) peter pants before leaving yeah so yeah you did great andrea good for you andrea's theory was that their encounter in the graveyard opened a door and caused paranormal entities to follow them to the motel Catherine's experiences seemed to confirm this, as she told Bagans when she was alone in her room. Sometimes I get the feeling like there's someone watching me, and I get scared. I feel like whenever I'm sitting on the couch or something, I feel like there's something there with me. Zach Bagans, a self-described cholerophobe, seems to unravel more and more as the episode progresses, blurting out early on during his time in the lobby. There's an anxiety here, man! (laughs) He kept going, I have a very serious disorder. It's called chlorophobia. <laughs> he kept on saying it. It was like, it's like as if I'm trying not to be obnoxious with my gluten. But when people are like, I have an intolerance to mm. gluten. He's like, I have chlorophobia. He made it a big deal. Well, also, here's the thing, um, Zach. You chose to go to the clown motel my dude to do an investigation so you can't get pissed off when your worst fears are triggered as soon as you walk in the door it's like man there's an anxiety man you're not going to like the bread restaurant knowing that you can't have any yeah yeah i don't get mad up at the olive garden but yeah he's uh he's having a tough time in this at least yeah during the the clown portion of this episode nevertheless Zach mustered the courage to conduct an overnight investigation with teammate Billy and Catherine. They utilized an SB7 spirit box and asked the spirit to say hi. Through the oscillating static, a word emerged that Zach believed was a clear hello. It sounded more like and they're like there it is yeah yeah it's like did you hear it was clear as day? Let's show everybody 15 times in a row that replay. Every time. Clear as day. It was no wind beneath my wings by Ben Medler, <laughs> which is a message we got when we used our spirit box. But that, uh, you know, he, any sort of like, he's like, there it was. It said, what are you doing? Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, I don't think it did. did I? Mm, no. Billy remained in the cemetery while Zach went into the lobby of the motel to conduct his own investigation. A door in the lobby closed behind him on its own, sending him outside to calm himself down. Zack later returned and tried talking to the spirits, asking, Do you possess these clowns? Can I hear you laugh? When he heard a thud in response, Zack once again ran outside. And he's all alone, and it's like just set up cameras and then just him. And he's like, 
It's like, bro, this is your job. Act like so you've good. been here before. And then what I never understand, first of all, can I hear you laugh? Dude. But then when he gets what he interprets as like communication after asking them for it, he flips out and runs away. It's you, what, what are you doing? They, the they're like, like I, I, okay, yeah. well, I was answering you, but oh, okay. And then he mind. just, and he flees. So these ghosts are trying to say something, probably fucking leave, douchebag. <laughs> and instead, he just keeps running out <laughs> into, the, into the open air anytime something happens. The clown's like, please come back. <laughs> Sinister Hood will be right back. While in the dark lobby a third time, Zack was standing near a life-size clown sitting on a chair, who some visitors took to calling Mr. Creepy. As Zack stood nearby, Mr. Creepy's hand fell from a resting position on its knee to dangle by its side. Zack was terrified, yelling, Fuck that! Before heading outside and confessing on mic, I am scared shitless. I am ready to cry right now. <laughs> really having a tough time in this whole episode <laughs> i can't feel sorry for him because he brought this on himself he sought this out he went to the he wanted this to happen and now that it's happening he's he doesn't want it to happen anymore it makes no that. sense heather be careful what you wish for because your dreams may come true it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm here to have an encounter with a haunted clown motel and he's like i'm gonna cry <laughs> you're like well sometimes it shows up <laughs> Fuck Sometimes around. you get what you ask for. Found out. Found mm-hmm. out. Definition of it. Later, once he gathered himself, Zach attempted to debunk the hand movement by jumping up and down near Mr. Creepy. He was unable to make the hand fall again and thus claimed it was impossible to debunk. He retreated to a room where he conducted one last experiment. Billy had a box in the cemetery with a hand crank that was attached to a board in Zack's motel room by a long wire. The board had a light bulb on it, and the men explained to the spirits that they needed to go from the cemetery, through the wire, and into the motel room to talk with Zack and activate the light bulb. Zack had a spirit box nearby to accept any incoming messages. I just really love that if you're a ghost in a cemetery and they're like, hey, my buddy (laughs) wants to talk to you. I'm going to crank a box. You jump into the box. You get propelled through it. I was like, this is a fucking Rube Goldberg machine. The word conduct an experiment is loosely used here. Yeah. And I think, why don't we work smarter, not harder, and Zach just go to the fucking cemetery if that's who they're trying to communicate with. He wanted to make these spirits jump through hoops, go through wires. They don't know what any of this shit is. It wasn't around when they were alive. He's got his little cranky box, and he wanted to use his cranky box in the cemetery. Billy cranked the box on his end, and Zach claimed he heard a male voice through the oscillating static say, It turned on. Before the light bulb lit up, Zach declared, There was a male voice right there. He told the cameras he was absolutely blown away. And called it an absolute trophy capture. Feeling sentimental, Zack told the voice that he was sorry he died in the fire, but that Zack would make sure his voice was heard around the world. He says it so sincere. I'm sorry you had to die in that fire so long ago, but I'll make sure your message is heard. And it was like, it was not, it was, it turned on. The message was like, "Mm, fuck off. (laughs) 
Mm, fuck Leave. off. <laughs> what did that yeah, say? the ghost is like, please don't. I don't want anybody knowing we're friends, and I don't want you <laughs> acting like we're friends. So keep my name out your mouth. <laughs> and out yeah. your spirit box, too. Please and yeah, thank yeah. you. Comic book artist Christopher Sabella started a Kickstarter in 2016 to fund one month of living in the motel with the promise of writing his experience into a graphic novel. It worked. Sabella's Kickstarter was fully funded and he headed to stay for a month in the place locals call The Clown. Sabella was lucky enough to be present when the Ghost Adventures episode aired and watched it alongside Tonopah residents in the nearby bar. Aside from it feeling... Super weird to see the ghost bros at my house. Sabella noted. Zach said he wanted to cry, and the whole bar laughed out loud. He added. Thus far, the response from the room has ranged from laughter to someone muttering, fucking stupid, and leaving. <laughs> what a, worth every penny of the Kickstarter to be in the room when they turn Ghost Adventures on the DVR and watch the locals be like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid. That's just so real. God damn. God. And leaving. Like, I don't need to see yeah, anymore. Yeah, like, I don't, I've seen enough. I got stuff to do. I gotta go fuck a ham. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go ham to fuck. This is getting past my fuck time. Uh, <laughs> Sabella's book is great, though. That's what that's from. And it's like, uh, it's kind of written um, almost sort of more like his tweets, but then they're gathered and then there's photos and illustrations and stuff. And it's sort of written like boxes in a comic book would be. Um, but it also gives it kind of this like you're there in the moment, like visceral, real feeling to it. But he took one for the team living there for a month. I'll say that. How much are you going to have to be paid? To live at the Clown Motel for one month. Oh, I mean, I'd probably do it for very little, just like at, at cost. But I'm also okay. like weird, fucked up shit. Although when so you not five hundred thousand dollars, which was the amount I decided it would have to be paid to me to do it. <laughs> yeah. Less I'm than that. Okay. I'm the ding dong that's like, yeah, I'll do it for the kicks. I'll do it for the story. And it's like, we were going to pay you. It's like Kramer. Like, we were going to actually pay you some money. But okay. Yeah. So I probably should say five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I will do it for one, 100000 not just $1. But, uh, I mean, no shade on the motel. But I've seen the pictures of the rooms. And it's not the clowns I'm most worried about. It's like the um, carpet that you yeah, yeah. also had at Magic Time Machine. It's yeah. damp, soggy. Yeah. It's been thrown it up smells on. like mold. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the the beds, the whole it's it's been made a little more modern now, but yeah. uh, just the weirdness of it all, the the location, it's gonna take more than just uh, shits and giggles to get me there for a month. <laughs> Incidentally, the people staying in the room below yours is shits and giggles. It's a clown couple that have come by. <laughs> In addition to intoxicated locals, tourists, feral cats, and biker crews, Sabella was treated to a horde of clowns that showed up on day 18. He overheard their names, including Mr. Bob Dangles, Janky, and Slinky. Janky was heard talking about chemtrails. <laughs> then Sabella overheard Dangles and Slinky, a couple, engaged in a loud, oversized shoe rendezvous in the room above his. I have oh. to. <laughs> well, clown first of all, sex is a different type of sound. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. it's either yeah. There's so many like whistles and horns, and squeaks. <laughs> Whoop! 
Weep. <laughs> Somehow like, there's a tuba. Again, jangles. <laughs> um, I uh, I have to admit that oversized, uh, a loud oversized shoe rendezvous was not. I, I inserted that because I asked ChatGPT to help me come up with punny but inoffensive euphemisms for clown <laughs> sex. And I asked and for that ten was options. One of them. That was one of them. You asked for ten options. Yeah, yeah. They, well, uh, what are the other nine? A laughter-filled tango under the big top. <laughs> a circus duet that involves more than just juggling. Well, okay. A whimsical nose-honking pas de deux. <laughs> that one's fancy. The oversized shoe rendezvous. Uh, unleashing the confetti cannons in a clownish <laughs> celebration. <laughs> The confetti cannons are the wieners. Uh, yeah, yeah. Entering the comedy tent for a hilarious romp. Uh, experiencing a nose-to-nose connection in the laughter ring. Doing the silly shuffle under the circus spotlight. Um, embarking on a whimsy-filled escapade inside the laughter car. Or doing a little balloon animal magic in the carnival of love. <laughs> so, you know what? Maybe the robots can teach us a little something. Sometimes they're sometimes the robots are okay. I mean, if you can make like a poodle out of a balloon, imagine what you could do with your ding dong. <laughs> Once you pull it out of the ham and then you can just tie it. In. <laughs> you know how they make like hats no i, I was like fair. i thought you were gonna be like oh if you can make something with a poodle or if you can make it into a poodle maybe you can make something sexy from the balloon but no you're no, no, talking no, no, about no. dong <laughs> yeah no i'm talking about the dong is the balloon <laughs> clown sex where the dong is the balloon uh, <laughs> While there, Sabella received strange packages from those following his journey online. One envelope addressed with a fountain pen contained a hand-drawn map and coded letter that led him to an abandoned mine shaft outside of town. He bonded with locals and became fond of the place during his stay. There were also ferocious floods while Sabella was there. And at one point, the roads to and from town were closed down due to a radiation scare. Yeah, that's that was a surprise. <laughs> too moment. much happening in this town. <laughs> but yeah, there's a nuclear power plant like right down the street. There's so much like, happening. Oh, I guess I can't leave even if I wanted to. And mm-hmm. it was like, that's a disturbing realization. <laughs> yeah, that's what. And then the clowns are just, they're all standing there staring at you. No one leaves when you Why check in. Why would you in. leave? You never check out. You're already home. You think they play that music on a loop? Yeah, for sure. <sighs> they should. Welcome. <laughs> Throughout it all, Sabella didn't encounter much in the ways of the paranormal, though there was one feral cat that always hung around a specific grave, almost as if it were drawn to the area. Aside from that, Sabella didn't seem to encounter anything scarier than the all-too-real horrors, natural disasters, radiation fallout, and the ragtag lineup of humans coming and going from the motel. After 30 days, he headed home and documented his journey in the graphic novel I Lived in a Clown Motel, a true story of the dumbest thing I ever did, available for purchase on his website for five bucks Everyone, every- that's five bucks. Five bucks. I mean, that's a cup of coffee. Go get yourself this book. It's 
darker than you would imagine. So just keep that in <laughs> mind. But I, but I, I bought it five dollars well, well spent. I enjoyed it while sitting at a little bench at White Rock Lake on my iPad. Which, in retrospect, I was the crazy lady reading the Crown Clown book. <laughs> Like, at sunset. At least it was your iPad and not, you know, like a giant uh, manifesto that was covered in red curly hair and polka dots and whatnot. Like the monster book, but it's just a clown book. In 2016, author David J. Schmidt spent three nights in the clown motel and wrote a short memoir aptly titled Three Nights in the Clown Motel. His visit coincided with the clown epidemic of 2016, when random clowns were popping up and menacing residents of cities across the world. We talked about this on our clowns episode. Yes, on Killer Clowns episode. I found mm-hmm. an article from the time inter- interviewing Bob, who was like, we don't need this. We do not need this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I bet you don't, we man. <laughs> already deal with a lot, okay? Yeah. We got people fucking honey baked hams in the cemetery like out there we don't need any more clowns popping up around here catching people up (laughs) during his stay schmidt asked the receptionist maggie about paranormal entities in the hotel she told him i know they're here i can tell when they're around sometimes i get this terrible feeling like i'm not alone while maggie said she tried to ignore it all and do her job she told schmidt i don't like the voices It makes me feel not right. Voices in a motel lobby don't seem that strange, but Maggie clarified that they were not the same as echoes from rooms or people outside. These were short, clearly spoken words uttered right near her, possibly in a foreign language. Yeah, that foreign language is Latin, and that's the voice (laughs) of a demon that's like, Rectus, and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Dominus. (laughs) What is it? I was thinking the language was clownish, and it was just like, (laughs) she's like, it's just like, bang, wham, (sighs) yeah, splat. As for the visit from the Ghost Adventures crew and Zach Bagan's undebunkable clown movement, a front desk employee named Brandy told Schmidt, I saw him set the whole thing up. When Bagan's debunking efforts failed in the episode, he stated on camera that regardless of whether it was gravity, ghost, or a possessed doll, I don't care, I'm done. But it was none of those things, according to Brandy. It was staged. By tying a fishing line to Mr. Creepy's hand. Users online also pointed out that shots of the lobby early in the episode clearly show Mr. Creepy's hand is off his lap. But when Zack is investigating alone later that night, the hand has been placed on his lap. And his debunking was just jumping up and down next to it going, we're going to see if the vibration of my feet knock it down. It's like, no, apparently it was a fishing line is what knocked it down. It legit pisses me off that they stage all of this stuff and then try to act like all of it's real for multiple Mm -hmm. reasons. I think it's unethical and shitty. It makes for bad TV. But also, like, don't try and gaslight me into thinking that I'm going to come to this hotel and Mr. Creepy might be moving around when you know goddamn well that you did all of that. And then you're going to act like you want to cry because you're so scared. (laughs) You can't bullshit Brandy at the clown motel. She will tell you like it is, and she will fucking front you out later when you leave. She's like, they tied that motherfucker up with fishing line. I seen it myself. Like, fuck yeah, girl. 
we've had other people tell us too that Mm -hmm. when they film there that they set stuff up it's like i think it's kind of just an open secret at this point (laughs) they're just full of shit doing whatever they need to do for ratings you know while working alone, Maggie actually had seen Mr. Creepy move on his own out of the corner of her eye. She told Schmidt her odd feeling about the clown was confirmed by a visiting psychic who claimed something from the graveyard has begun inhabiting Mr. Creepy. Maggie claims to have also seen a tall, dark figure floating through the graveyard at night. Well, this is where I bid adieu. <laughs> Well, and apparently I'm the psychic out Mr. Creepy is inhabited by something. <laughs> the psychic said, "I feel like there's like a presence here with the the clown. I'm gonna go check the graveyard." And then Maggie was like, "Yeah, the psychic never came back." I was like, "What did you see in the graveyard?" Or they saw the ham fucking clown. And we're yeah, like, it was orange. They found a ham. Yeah, they're alone. Had themselves a different kind of night. The psychic's like, "Why should the clowns have all the fun?" <laughs> As for the door that moved and startled Zach. Brangie chalked it up to a strong wind and a newly replaced door handle, according to Schmidt's book. The employees weren't only eager to debunk Zach Bagans and crew. Brandy also debunked the ham story. She insisted to Schmidt that the review was false, but confirmed it had generated prank phone calls to the motel. It's like, clown motel. Hi, I was thinking of checking in soon with um, a couple of, well, there's going to be 20 of us in one car and then... <laughs> I need a private do you need, room. How many parking passes do you need for just that? Just one. Just one parking spot. Oh, and I, oh okay. I got you. I need to know about the privacy in the, the meadows and gardens nearby. My wife, Ham, and I will be. <laughs> they're married. <laughs> so it's not even offensive. Everyone's like acting all uptight about it. Oh, do you think he carries Ham around while he's staying there <laughs> with like little earrings stuck into the side of it and maybe a little hat on? Take the earrings off, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Leave the purse in the hotel. Oh, man. Even though the Ghost Adventures crew allegedly set up the evidence they captured, Brandy admitted something strange actually did happen during their visit. When Zach and Billy headed to the cemetery to investigate, she said a dark cloud came over the lobby and that all their equipment batteries drained just as they hit the graveyard. The maintenance man had experienced a similar issue with appliances malfunctioning and fully charged batteries draining in proximity to the graveyard. I also watched the thing. I think it was like Fox 10 Phoenix. It was like a a, kind of a local news guy came to do a special and he was going to go to the graveyard with Catherine. And he's like, our cameras and lights were charged. And then the batteries all drained right when we got over there. So it is there's some sort of energistic suckage going on. Somebody could it be the nuclear power plant down the road? Perhaps. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) It's like we're all seeing like figures in the distance. It's like, do you think maybe something's leached into the water? Or you're still, the toxic fumes are still drifting up from the mines? Yeah. Yeah. But the guy was like, we we swear we, he, like, it, as a news person, it's probably embarrassing to be like, I didn't get any footage because my battery died. <laughs> but then you just got to spin it and you're like, but the battery died because of all the ghosts. It was a and ghoul. why am I holding a ham? That's neither here nor there. Back to you in the studio, Jan. <laughs> and they're like, okay, thanks, Bill. <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. Marlena, another front desk worker, told most terrifying places in America, We've built a reputation of having clown ghosts, and it's true. It happens. 
She warned that it's not merely the ghost of happy clowns, but instead an entity she calls the trickster who wanders over from the cemetery next door. Paranormal witness James D. Darnell told interviewers for the show that he was parked in the motel's lot adjacent to the graveyard when he saw a man walking toward him from amongst the tombstones. Even scarier, the man was holding a red balloon. Given that setup, I want you all to listen to what happens next and understand that James D. Darnell is maybe the friendliest person that's ever lived, ever. Because <laughs> I would have just got in my car and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> D. watched as the man walked up through the gates into the motel parking lot. D. introduced himself and asked the man's name. The figure only said in a guttural voice, We mind. D, seeking a further encounter with the spirit, tried enticing it to his car by telling the figure he had a dog. The clownish entity seemed unimpressed by D's canine companion and replied, We died that day, 17 minors. D confessed to the travel channel, How by this time, I'm getting a little terrified. D watched in fright as the figure walked towards the steps of the motel let go of his balloon, and vanished. Hey, James D. Darnell, hell of a <laughs> pleasure to meet you. What's your name? I am the ghost of a miner. You like hey, to see my dog? I just got a husky. I just got a husky for hunting. It's back in my car if you just want to come back here and see My it. niece saw the launcher. It didn't seem like much, but it's got a whole husky in the back. <laughs> Baby, roll the window down. I'm going to show the ghoul my husky. And she's like, stop talk, Stop making friends with ghouls. They just disappear and leave you heartbroken. And then mm. he watches them just fade away. I told you it was going to happen again. I Damn told it. you. I never no. learned. <laughs> well, let's go get you a ham and calm down. Oh, thank okay? you, baby. <laughs> Getting someone to come to your car by telling them you have a puppy. That's not, you're not the first person James D. Darnell to use that. And usually it's not, though, to spirits. So no, it's, it's usually not. children. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to be like, like I always do. I lured him closer by telling him I had a dog. And it was like, oh, no. Marlena confirmed Dee's experience, telling interviewers. That was the trickster. He just plays with people. It's what he does. To play with Marlena, the trickster knocks clowns off shelves in the lobby while she's working. He also talks, with Marlena telling the Travel Channel. Every so often, he'll show up as a shadow figure. He's quite tall. I've actually seen the shadow figure here, and I've had disembodied voices. It was a night when I was doing my paperwork. A gruff, mean voice spoke to her in unintelligible words. She said, That's the creepiest thing I can ever deal with. So as not to frighten the guest, Marlena told interviewers, We don't tell anybody which rooms are haunted. I can tell you. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> if they've got a Any, clown picture in there, 31 rooms are haunted. 31 flavors, 31 ways to die. Yeah, every single one is a different flavor of horror. Also, if a ghoul or a ghost or an entity wants to make contact with me, you better not speak in a gruff, mean voice. I do not get spoken to that way. We'll stop. <laughs> I will not respond. No, especially if I'm trying to do my paperwork. Like, that's already a tedious job, and I probably want to just leave for the day. Yes. And then now like, I've got you to deal with, and you're not even being polite. And you're not even a paying customer. So <laughs> you need to step back, rethink your attitude, and then come back whenever you want to 
We'll talk about amenities yeah. or possible collabs we could do. You're trying to get a room change. I don't know what you need. If you <laughs> ham, but you got to I want to be approached with some respect. Thank you. Yes. A jar a guttural voice where go on. Mm-mm. The motel has inspired many fictional representations of its horror, including the popular video game Call of Duty. Films like the 2016 independent short Clown Motel and the 2019 feature by the same director, Clown Motel Spirits Arise, have used the motel as a creepy backdrop. In 2023, a larger budget film, also called Clown Motel, was filmed on site, starring UFC champ Randy Couture, the face of Jigsaw from the Saw movie franchise, Tobin Bell, and Richard Grieco. And Tobin Bell is like a horror movie icon. Like he is Saw from, he's Jigsaw. And so to see his face on the cover, a lot of people downloaded the movie or watched the movie and they were very disappointed. Apparently Uh like the first, for the first like 40 minutes, there's like super boring and then it's not even scary. And they said, it's basically like the motel is a prop. Nothing to see here was the two star review. Two stars. Dang. Well, (laughs) it's one, one. (laughs) <laughs> They're like extra star for Richard Grieco. <laughs> uh, may I just say, if you want to film something there, perhaps we spitball some new titles. Yeah. Because everybody's using Clown Motel, and that gets confusing when you got five Clown Motel movies out there. Some guy was doing, like, it had like 200 reviews or 200 views on YouTube, and he was doing a review of the movie, spoiler free, just, just to be safe. But in the comments, like, three different people were like, you said this came out in 2023, and it came out in 2016, and he had to be like, different movie, same name, like, sorry, yeah. it's sorry. not good marketing. Oh, uh, well, we had Clown Motel, then I did a sequel, Clown Motel Spirits Arise, but then later, a bigger budget, Richard, they got Richard Grieco. I got Grieco? Grieco. Yeah, they got Grieco, but they also called it Clown Motel. Damn it. Yeah, apparently the first ones are all from the same clown-o-matic universe, and then (laughs) the Richard Grieco is a usurper. After more than 20 years of lovingly running the Clown Motel... Bob put the place up for sale in 2017 with an asking price of $900,000. With three sons, five daughters, and 14 grandkids, Bob was ready to retire and live a life of clownless leisure. One condition of sale was that the motel would always remain the clown motel. Telling reporters for the Associated Press, I'm not going to let them change the clown motif. That's going to be part of the contract. They can improve it in any way they want, but we don't want to lose the clown motel. We want it to be bigger and better. Good for Bob, because you know that the kiddos, mm-hmm. may they rest in peace by this point, yeah. are uh, would want that to be the same. So I like that, like, even today, all these years later, everyone is abiding by... The clown laws. The wishes. I don't think I would want to take over. You live and die by the law of the clown, Heather. (laughs) You live by the clown law, you die by the clown law. (laughs) And if you buy a clown motel that was for that purpose made that way by people who have now died and you remove that motif, that the motif you will then get haunted fully. Like those oh, yeah. they will come back from yeah. their grave and curse you. Also, what do you do with all the clowns? Like, okay. I mean, that's a lot of merchandise. You have to just find some, put it away somewhere. You could offload them, but they would return one by one. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then all at once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just see in the the dusty road leading up, just big, like, 
12, 12 inch shoes, shoe prints coming down the path. We don't have enough plaster to case these. <laughs> it's too huge. <laughs> In 2019, the Mayhar family purchased the Clown Motel. Having experience in the hotel industry, the Mayhars are dedicated to preserving the iconic nature of the motel. The conditions of the rooms and facilities have been improved, and the Creepy Clown Collection continues to grow, with over 5,000 clowns fueling the nightmares of motel guests. Mayhar has also introduced themed rooms, including rooms dedicated to The Exorcist, Friday the 13th, and, of course, it. You gotta have Pennywise. For those brave enough to lay their head to rest at the famous motel, rooms are available from between $85 to $160 per night, respectively. The motel's official website advertises it as not only a quirky and creepy weekend getaway spot, but also a great location for birthday parties, family reunions, and even weddings. The Mayhars even built a gazebo overlooking the cemetery, providing the perfect backdrop to say your I do's. <clears throat> Beware, though. Just because you check into the Clown Motel doesn't mean you will necessarily check out. Indeed, the motel has a paranormal activity disclaimer posted on its website. Warning. By visiting the Clown Motel, you acknowledge that you may encounter interactions with spiritual and or unexplained phenomena and or other unexplainable, unusual, or paranormal activity or interactions, which may include risks which may or may not be foreseeable. The Clown Motel will not be held liable for any bodily injury, damaged personal property, emotional distress, death, or other harm caused by the aforementioned. Death or other harm. <laughs> So death or, like, eternal cursing, your soul is, like, forever. Anyways, come have your wedding here, guys. (laughs) Come on down. I just want to put an offer. I'm an ordained minister, not only in the Church of the Subgenius, but in the Universal Life Church. If you get married at the Clown Motel and you pay my way to get out there, I will officiate your wedding for free. (laughs) Oh, shit. If you need a witness. Can I get a witness? I will will lower my price of (laughs) $500,000 and just come just because I don't want to miss out. I have FOMO. I got yeah. clown FOMO. It'll probably be the last <laughs> thing I do, but you know what? At least I'll go out with a harker harker <laughs> with a bang that comes out of a, a toy gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you oh, go out. Well, well, so what do we think? I, uh, you know what? When you got when life gives you clowns, make a clown motel, and that is <laughs> apparently what they did here. I noticed that it's included in a lot of lists of like how. Uh, hotels have turned haunting into big dollars. I wouldn't say like big dollars from the looks of things, but like Bob Perchetti said in a different interview that like after Ghost Adventures came through, he was like, that's when like people really started to stop by and like it became, I think when that thing went viral kind of in 2013 and then after that Ghost you Adventures mean- was... The ham fucking the ham story. Imagine what like (laughs) someone's like, I'm gonna write this, and you don't know that you bring like all this business to a motel. But I think after, especially like after Ghost Adventures, when then the most terrifying places in America Travel Channel went, then like a million YouTubers have gone and been like, Mm -hmm. I stayed one night in a thing. So perhaps. There was some sort, you know, it's an old cemetery. There's probably a little paranormal here and there. But maybe the clownish nature of things have been, you know, uh, like Zach Bagan style. It's something is there, but you add a little uh, fish in line and tug it a little bit to make it seem Mm -hmm. a little spookier. 
it's kitschy. It's yeah. um, gimmicky. And if you like that sort of stuff, and it's definitely, especially now in the day of influencers and everything, like travel it's a logs. place to go. Yeah, it's very grammable. Mm-hmm. I uh, even on the website there is a place like if you want to film stuff here because people film stuff there all the time. So oh yeah. I think that they are self-aware in what they are, at least the current owners. You know, it's they've revamped the rooms. They honestly look less clownish. Yeah. In the, they're, they're kind of more modern and stuff. But I say, if you already know what you are, you just got to lean in <laughs> as hard as possible. You need a ham in every room. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, uh, some people will leave like, coffee or bottled water on the desk for you no you get a honey baked ham you gotta make sure the wait the makeup face wipes are in every room so that the oh, clowns yeah. can remove their makeup yeah yeah, yeah. instead sho- of slippers you get giant shoes yeah giant slippers yeah i think you're right you gotta lean into it because you're kind of the the nicer hotel nearby i'd say nicer loosely you know it was built in like ni- the 19 early 1900s someone said it was also haunted so it's like you know you're either oh, gonna the stay Mizpah, in the club yeah yeah, the Mizpah Residents also say uh, the Mizpah and that the elementary school there are the most haunted locations, actually, in yeah. in the town. But when you got a clown motel, it's hard to, you know, compete with where people are going to go to the creepy stuff. It's facially creepy. Just clowns are oh, facially, yes. with that big ass jolly and the sign. And uh, if you want a, a, an insight into it, the Three Nights at the Clown Motel is kind of more of a memoir. And I think Schmidt did a great job. He's very poetic. A lot of it, too, is like nothing too scary happened. So a lot of it's like, wouldn't this have been scary? Or like, I had this mm-hmm. dream of this scary thing. But he's a really good writer. He's like, loves Stephen King. And he, he said, Pennywise probably maybe not as much as Ella does, but he was like mentioned Pennywise. He mentioned it. So he he kind of gets it and talks about the lore stuff. But uh, Chris Sabella is like, it's a picture of a town, like truly. And, and of it's not just, oh, the clown motel. It's like he became friends with people. He talks to people at the diner and stuff. And it just kind of gives you a look of like what a, a pretty small 2,500 person town is like in the, the late uh, teens of the 2000s. So uh, for five bucks, uh, and the other one's on Kindle Unlimited or rent it or whatever, buy it. So uh, the the author makes some money on his website. But they they say in the clown motel, the least you can do is buy their books. You know, <laughs> that's how I, I gotta felt. Say, <laughs> spending a month at that hotel would be probably less interesting and exciting than just being in that town. And like yeah, you said, yeah. like meeting the locals and it. I mean, it's obviously much bigger than Larimer, but kind of that just small town vibe mm-hmm. of like, you know, people have lived there their whole lives. They, their grandfathers were miners and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of um, like rumor mills and yeah, he's, everybody's just kind of knows each other's business and stuff. Mm-hmm. Small town drama. That's and the people, kind of stuff I'm trying to get into. Yeah. And just weird, the type of weirdos that come through there. Mm-hmm. And like, he's, he would like be like, I'm hearing this like crazy thing in the parking lot. And so you get like transcriptions of like overheard conversations. Like I said, there's some dark parts of it too. So prepare yourselves. There's a camper that was also a crime scene that he describes yeah. and talks about and stuff that was parked in the parking lot. So it it's a visceral look at what mm. it's like in the cloud. 
clown mode. Yikes. Mode? I was going to say, were the sounds in the parking lot, all oh, those clowns <laughs> trying to climb out of their car, but it sounds like it's much darker than <laughs> it's that. It's much darker. It's not even just Janky being like, you see that in the sky? It's a goddamn chemtrail. And you're like, just put your fucking clown on, Janky, and do the fucking performance. He's like, I can't because the chemtrails. <laughs> oh, man. Well, if we're ever out that way, or maybe we have to make a special trip because I, I don't know, know when that. we'll ever just be out that way. I but think or, it's something you pass maybe by. Maybe we don't. Maybe we're okay. I've seen we're a good. lot of pictures and watched a lot of videos. So unless yeah. somebody wants to pay for us to, to go. Get married. And I'm lumping myself into this deal. You okay. know what? If if they pay for you, I'll pay my own way. I'll pay yeah. my own way because we'll be sharing a room. You get BOGO, really. Just kidding. Us. I'll never sleep there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll They're stay like, at the Mispa Hotel, which is supposed to be by far more haunted. Yeah. I'll go where the ghosts are. Well, yeah. Let us know if you uh, have been to the Clown Motel, if yeah. you live in Tonopah or live nearby. Shout out, too, to everybody who sent this in. This has been one that we've been getting DMs about this and, like, uh, submissions to the forum and stuff for uh, pretty much probably since the show started, just because it's on Ghost Adventures. And mm-hmm. everyone knows you hate clowns. So thanks to everybody yeah. who sent it in. We were like, we need something a little lighthearted. <laughs> so thanks. Yeah, we need something lighthearted. Says I, as I <laughs> just lay awake tonight, unable to sleep, just staring just like, at the ceiling, no thinking worries. about Mr. Creepy and that just ham. Hear, if you see, I say, if you hear the sounds of the wet, wet ham outside your window, <laughs> run. <laughs> Well, if you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over what I believe we have now calculated to be 800 hours of bonus content. It's so many hundreds of hours. And right now is the perfect time to go over and join, especially if you've been thinking about it, but you weren't sure. You can try it for a week free at any level. So it's a free trial to check out all the perks. You cancel anytime before the trial is over to avoid getting charged. And also, if you you like it, you want to take the leap. We're having a special deal on annual memberships. You get 16% off, which is basically like getting two months free. So it is it's time to take the leap this leap year with our Patreon. Nice. Also, as we mentioned up top, February is the perfect time to join because we have DocuWary. It's like a book club, but for documentaries. We've curated a list of films this Friday, 2 p.m. Central. We will be discussing My Octopus T-shirt. You can join and having not seen the film, just know that we will be discussing it in its entirety. So there's spoilers or watch it ahead of time and then chat along with us in the chat. We love going back and hearing everybody's opinions and like with the American factory, there were so many good points brought up by listeners mm-hmm. that I hadn't considered. And so it's just always like sparks really great conversations. It's one of yeah. my favorite things we do. That's the funnest part of a live stream is chatting with everybody and like hearing what you all think. It's like a podcast, but interactive. <laughs> you also get ad free <laughs> episodes, our monthly live stream Q and A's, our quarterly live bonus content, weekly audio bonus content. Our true crime headlines is generating a ton of comments. We talked about the Murdoch of. Uh, the quest for a new trial. The Kristen Smart family is suing Cal Poly. Scott Peterson's trying to get a new trial. So a lot of good conversation on that. We also have monthly mini-sodes and year-round merch discounts and the community of pretty much the best listeners on the whole internet. So we love you for being a part of it. We and if you, you. want to be it, join. Join. Do it. For recent patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show and make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. 
You can head to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. Don't forget to use that Patreon discount if you're in the Rolling the Airwaves and getting into it tier. And check over on our TikTok shop. Sometimes it just has sales that it doesn't even ask us about. So who knows no. what you can save? The robots do it and we just say, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Also, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. What better way to celebrate the person you love sinisterhood fan in your life than with uh, something from the store or with a cameo oh that's a good thing if you head to cameo.com you can have us do a custom video shout out for your loved one this valentine's day show or galentine's day or fuck valentine's day we'll say we'll we'll be there for you we'll valentine's be your valentine's day do you Hell think jimmy yeah. fallon calls it valentine's day <laughs> he's like hey guys what if we do valentine's day and everyone that worked there was like we're quitting no. They're already ready to. They're now they're like, quit. now we're really quitting, Jimmy. <laughs> While you're on our website, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description for sources used during our research. You'll also find fun things like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. Hopefully have some more information on that soon and when we will be going back out on tour, but within the next few months. So look for that. Also, patrons get first dibs on tickets, including VIP tickets. So another reason to sign up. We want to announce right now that our very first show is going to be headlining at the Tonopah Clown Motel. <laughs> We're going to be... <laughs> our opening act will be uh, a clown Mr. fucking <laughs> a ham. It's so, Mr. Creepy. <laughs> uh, it's Mr. Creepy and the Honey Baked Ham. It is bring your own glaze, though. So make sure you do that. Uh, <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Watch full episodes uh, video style, as well as fun clips from our Patreon shenanigans and uh, full Freaky Friday interviews on our YouTube channel. And like we said, head to check us out on TikTok or Cameo for those custom video shoutouts. Christy, where are you at on the world wide web? I am on Instagram and threads at Christy and Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? On the internet at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Jenny Ironman. Jessica DeOrneas. Sarah Green. Becca Hampton. Paige Lane. Bethany J. Perhock. Shauna Riley and Lisa Campbell. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We sincerely appreciate all your love and support. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs> Sinister.